Welcome back, Scouts and Scouters, to another exciting episode of the Scouting God Podcast. I'm thrilled to have you join me once again on this adventurous journey through the world of Merit Badge books. In today's episode, we will be diving into part two of a vital badge, the life-saving Merit Badge. As Scouts, we understand the values of being prepared for any situation and having the skills to save lives. The Life-Saving Merit Badge is a testament to our commitment to safety and service, and I can't wait to explore its essential content with you. In this episode, we will dive deeper into the techniques and knowledge that can truly make a difference what matters most. So grab your audio logs, buckle up your life jackets, and let's embark on this learning adventure together as we unlock the secrets of the Life-Saving Merit Badge. If you're following along, we are on page 25. Distress Swimmer. A swimmer in distress is normally vertical in the water and shows various degrees of anxiety or panic. He may be a poor swimmer who has exceeded his abilities. If caught in a rip current, he may be first come exhausted swimming against the current and then become frightened. Suddenly, medical problems such as a cramp or stroke may also cause a conscious swimmer to need help. A distressed swimmer might take little to no progress in the water, but may struggle enough to keep his head out of the water. He may call the wait for help. If he could level off and apply the same energy to swimming, he might be able to reach safety on his own. He may act on a clear instructions from a rescue or reach for an aid as presented. Non-buoyant rescue aids such as a shirt or rope may be used. Once help has come, he may grow calm and even assist by assuming a prone position and kicking. However, the rescuer should remain alert and wary in an attempt to remain above water. It may be some time before he returns to normal state of mind and behavior. The longer a distressed swimmer remains in trouble, the more likely he is to show the symptoms of an active drowning victim. Active drowning victim. An active drowning victim is at stage just before submersion and unconsciousness. Like a distressed swimmer, the victim is also a frantic or distraught. However, the level of mental distress is not the important factor. An active drowning victim lacks the ability to make deliberate motions to stay afloat and will generally go under within 20 to 60 seconds. He can't call or wait for help. He must be recognized by his behavior. He usually vertical in the water. He may have his head thrown back with arms extended to the side and pressing down or flapping. There are no negative leg movements. His head may bob below the surface and he probably cannot respond to commands or reach for nearby rescue aids. During the assist, he may try to stay vertical and resist horizontal toes. Avoid contact. Use buoyant aids for support. Unaided, a poor swimmer distress may slip into an active drowning stage. This is particularly used of non-swimmers who have never supported themselves in deep water. A non-swimmer stepping off a submerged ledge will be unable to reach shallow water just a few steps away. A young non-swimmer knocked off of an air mattress won't be able to reach it and may submerge in within 20 seconds. Speedy rescue is essential. Unconscious victim. Various circumstances can cause people to lose consciousness in the water. Unaided, an active drowning victim will soon lose consciousness and become passive. Immersion in cold water can numb and weaken the swimmer, eventually causing unconsciousness, even if the person is wearing a flotation device. Other swimmers may black out with little or no warning because of a diving injury, hyperventilation, heart attack, stroke, seizure, drunkenness, or drug reaction. An unconscious victim may float face down at the surface or may particularly or completely sink to the bottom. Speed is critical in reaching and moving the victim to safety. A rescuer may make physical contact and breathing must be started again as soon as possible if the victim is to survive. 
In every instance, the person who has lost consciousness in the water will need medical evaluation. Summon emergency medical help as soon as possible. In a public setting, shout for someone to call 911 as you begin the rescue. Injured victim. A water rescue can become even more complex if the victim is injured. Diving into shallow water or being hit by a surfboard can cause head and spinal injuries. Cuts and broken bones can happen from boat collisions, water skiers hitting objects, cars entering the water, boats capsizing in rapids, or surf casting swimmers against pillings. Gasoline explosions on motorbikes can cause burns. Fishermen might become entangled in hooks. Some marine creatures can inflict painful stings. Keep general first aid rules in mind. Treat the most serious condition first. Do no further harm and quickly summon help if needed. In water rescues, the most serious conditions may be stop breathing, but standard rescue techniques for a person who is not breathing can worsen a spinal injury. These concerns will be covered later. Endangered Swimmer The above classifications are based on a victim's lack or loss of a swimming ability. However, there may be times when a patient swimmer requires aid. A capsized canoe caught in a cold, fast current is one such situation. A kayaker pinned against a rock is another. Ocean rip currents can sweep a swimmer out to sea. Fast rising tides against a cliff face can catch a hiker off guard. Abnormally high waves can sweat fishermen off jet seas. Flash floods can trap motors in their cars. Situations vary greatly as well as rescue responses. Some victims may make it to shore unaided and the rescue's responsibility becomes one of follow-up support. First aid and transportation. In other cases, a rescuer can help from shore. In still others, the lifesaver's only safe option is to immediately seek aid from a trained rescue squad with special gear. Remember, seeking help is as much as a life-saving technique as any other. Success is a final measure of any rescue. If you can't safely perform a rescue with rescue resources in hand, then quickly seek help from those with more training and better equipment. Victim characteristics. Rescue emergency urgency and response, depending on the victim's condition. Tired swimmer. Responsive, well-aid and rescue, lead er least urgent. Distressed swimmer. May call for help. Will reach for aid. More urgent. Active drowning victim. Cannot call for help. Cannot reach for aid. Speedy rescue is essential. Submerges in less than one minute. Unconscious victim. Probably is not breathing. Contact required. Extremely urgent. Injured swimmer. Various degrees of response and urgency. Special consideration is taken to avoid a gravitating injuries. Endangered swimmer. Each situation is unique. Safety of rescue effort is primary concern. Planning a rescue. To help ensure success, a rescue is, must be planned. There will be often be little time and limited resource equipment. So, a sustainable plan must be made quickly. Stay calm. Remember your training. Most situations present only a few obvious choices. Keep the following steps in mind and keep the plan as simple as possible. Recognizing need. The first step in planning to assess the situation, evaluate who's in trouble, how urgently they need help, and whether they need help themselves, or if a rescuer is needed. Then demonstrate whether someone else has already begun a rescue. Accepting leadership. If someone has already started a rescue, respond only if you are clearly in a better position to help the victim. For example, if you are closer, make sure emergency vehicles help has called if you think it will be needed. If the victim is in a lake and might go under before help arrives, pinpoint his position against landmarks. You may keep 
curious bystanders from getting in the way. If no one is attempting a rescue, find someone in authority, a lifeguard, a park ranger, who hasn't noticed a problem. Inform them that Inform the, that person and follow instructions. If no one else takes responsibility, then it is up to you. Don't hesitate. Act just because uh, others, including adults, are milling around undecided. They might not know how to respond. If you know, proceed with the planning rescue, including asking bystanders to call for aid, get equipment, help launch a boat, or any other simple task. Selecting a rescue technique slash order of rescue methods. Choosing the proper rescue technique is relatively simple. If you remember the order of the rescue methods from the easiest to the most difficult. 1. Reach. 2. Throw. 3. Row. 4. Go. The method chosen will be dependent on the victim's condition, the distance from the shore, the equipment available, and the condition of the water. For example, if the victim is conscious and close to shore, look for a pole or a paddle to do a re reaching rescue. If nothing long enough is at hand, you might try throwing the victim a buoyant item. When rescuing a conscious victim, simply find the easiest way to give support. Reach, if possible, pulling the victim to the side. Otherwise, throw, row, or go to get a float to the victim in the quickest and safest way. Rescuers can get more complicated when a float is not available or the victim cannot grasp one. You will seldom need to support a conscious victim while swimming. Contact rescues are normally needed only for unconscious victims, which is why it is important to distinguish between rescues for conscious and unconscious victims. When selecting a rescue technique, also take note of the physical setting. Can you reach the victim more easily from a different spot? Is it someone already there who could extend a, a paddle or fishing pole? Are they within earshot? Is there a current or strong wind that will affect throwing a device? Reaching Rescues Reaching rescues are safe, simple, and effective, and can be used for all types of victims. For instance, a proper swimmer may get to the trouble as soon as he enters the water over his head. That is likely to be close to the edge of a pool or near a dock. If you are out of the water and spot someone in trouble, lie down at the edge, extend a hand or leg, and pull the victim to safety. This simple procedure will quickly and safety save a life. However, when a conscious victim grabs your hand, he will often will stop his own efforts to remain afloat. The extra weight can pull in an unprepared rescuer into the water. Within reaching rescues, always lie down first or otherwise brace yourself. Water flowing in a recently filled irrigation canal caught the attention of a four-year-old girl. A scout saw her fall in. He ran over, lie on the bank, and grabbed her just four feet from where the water swept into a debris-laden culvert. For a victim beyond reach of your arm or leg, use any available object to extend your reach, a pole, paddle, shirt, or towel. Again, stay low and brace yourself by lying down, leaning back, or grasping something unsure with one hand while reaching with the other. A distraught swimmer probably will reach for whatever you extend, but an active drowning person will not. For both types of victims, make sure your rescue aid comes into direct contact with the victim victim's hands or arms. Flip your towel over the victim's shoulder. Sweep a pole under his arm. With the conscious victim, always tell the victim clearly what you are doing and what you want him to do. With an unconscious victim, reaching the rescuers can work if he is within arm's reach. You might also use a special device called a shepherd's cork, often available at pools without lifeguards. This device is a pole with a large, large hook at one end and can be used to drag an unconscious victim below the shoulders and drag him to shore. Do not use this technique if you suspect that the victim has injury to the spine.
The simplest reaching rescues are done without entering the water. In other cases, you might need to enter the water while still holding firmly onto a dock or pole ladder. In shallow water, you might be able to walk directly to the victim when, pa when wading. In the shallow water, be very alert for drop-offs into deeper water. Keep a firm footing and extend a pole or oar to the victim who is in past a ledge. You can also share a float to him or from a human chain with several rescuers as shown in the illustration. Throwing rescues. For victims beyond your reach, throw an aid. A floating aid with a line attached is best because it provides support and allows you to pull in the victim. Throwing rescuers can work for any type of active, conscious victim. Reaching rescuers are usually used in pools. For river float trips, however, a throw line is a main rescue aid. Always keep track of the victim's location, especially if he is in murky water or far from shore. If he submerges, you will need to know where he went down. Work with a partner if possible. One person can act as a spotter while the other gathers equipment. A throwing rescue device need not have a line attached. Different types of PFDs, life jackets, ring bowies, flotation cushions are found around water and make good throwing aids. Use anything that will float well enough to support the victim that he can hang on to and that is small enough for you to throw or shove from shore. Inner tubes, air mattresses, kickboards, empty water jugs, coolers, and even wooden benches. Aim carefully to toss the device within the victim's reach without hitting his head. Allow for wind and current. Aim slightly upstream of the victim. Encourage him to use the float and paddle himself to shore. Have him travel with the current rather than against it. If you miss, or if the victim can't grasp the item, tr keep trying, either with other devices or by pulling on the line. After repeated attempts, consider other options in the reach-throw-row-go progression. If necessary, switch to a boat or get closer. If you must enter the water to retrieve the device, swim closer to the victim and then push the aid to him. Throw lines. When tossing an unweighted rope or a he heaving line, coil it first. Tie a small bowline loop in one end and place it on the wrist of your non-throwing hand so you won't accidentally toss the entire line into the water. The loop should be loose enough so that you can easily slip your hand free if needed. To coil the line for a right-handed throw, place your left hand on your left knee and stretch the line to the full length of your right arm. Then return the line from your right hand to your left hand to form the first coil. If you leave your left hand fixed to your knee and reach as far as possible each time with your right hand, all of the coils will be the same size and less likely to tangle when thrown. Reverse the directions for a left-handed toss. When about half the line is coiled, gather the loops with the index finger of the hand on your knee, then coil the rest of the line, holding it with the remaining fingers. This will let you separate the rope into two coils, one that is thrown and one that feeds the line. The weight, the weight of the second coil helps in making an accurate toss. With one coil in each hand, set back with the leg on your throwing side, swing your throwing arm back, and toss the coil underhand to the victim. Release the coil when your throwing arm is about level and still moving. If you release too soon, the rope will land just in front of you. If you wait too long, the line will go up rather than out. After the release, the rest of the line pays out of the open palm of your other hand. The line should fall over the victim's shoulder and reach of his hands, allowing for crosswinds or currents. If you miss, recoil quickly, keeping an eye on the victim, and try again. When the victim grasps the line, drop the remaining coil, pull the line hand over hand, keeping your thumb inward. Instruct and encourage the victim. Pull fast enough to keep the victim afloat. 
but do not jerk on the line from his hands. Keep your body low and lean back to avoid being pulled into the water. Continue to alternate pulling and reaching with each hand until the victim is at the end or stands in shallow water. Adjust these steps as needed. For instance, you don't need to untie both ends of an anchor line in a small boat. Instead, drop the anchor at your feet, step on the line, and proceed with coiling. Use any technique for throwing a line as you know works accurately. Hoses and unplugged electrical extensions can also be used. A ring bowie is coiled and thrown in the same way as a having line, except there is no need to separate the two lines into two coils. The bowie provides enough weight for an accurate throw. Throw the buoy beyond the victim with the line falling over your shoulder. Then pull the buoy to the victim. Tell him to get a good grip on the buoy and pull him in. The line pays out cleanly, but you miss. Do not recoil the line for a second try, as you would for heaving the line. Instead, drop the line at your feet as you would pull the buoy and try again. However, if the line tangles on the first toss, recoil it as described above. You may find a ring buoy with a large wood bead or lemon on the free end of the line rather than a wrist loop. If so, stand on the line with the lemon behind your foot. The wrist loop is easier to use, but the lemon will work and may keep a non-swimming rescuer from getting jerked into deep water. Do not attach or throw a line to yourself if you are making a toss from a moving boat. Tie it to the boat instead. The throw bag or rescue bag is often carried on a paddle craft, such as canoes. A floating line with a wrist loop is stuffed into a small nylon bag that floats. Hold the loop with in one hand and throw the bag to the other. The line will pay out of the bag. If you miss the first toss, then the rope as a regular heaving line rather than restuffing it. Leave a bit of water in the bag and then throw it again. Use of throw lines for swift water rescue. To make a throwing rescue in swift water, consider the current if the victim is moving, not hanging onto a rock, try to position yourself downstream and make your throw just before the victim comes abreast. If the victim is already past you and out of the rope's reach, hurry downstream. He might find an eddy or other slope portion of the river. Try to get to the victim's attention, then toss the line as close as possible to him. If you miss, it is better to miss slightly upstream. When the victim grabs a line, he should roll on his back rather than get a face full of water looking back towards you. The victim should try to stand unless the water is too shallow for floating. Then, when possible, simply let the taut line and current sweep the swimmer in an arc towards the bank. If the line length might cause the victim to swing into an obstacle, either shorten the line or move downstream to find a better landing site. If a capsize is anticipated, position each line handler above a safe landing spot. Be prepared for considerable force on the line becomes taut. If possible, belay the line by pulling it halfway around a stot tree or large rock. Take a full turn if needed. Otherwise, sit down after throwing the line. Run it around your back and brace your feet. If others are present, help them hold the line. Be sure that you can release the line if you are able to be pulled in or if the victim gets tangled and need the, needs the line slacked. If the victim is a non-swimming but has reached a relatively safe spot on the river, then give a safe landing site more thought. You might relocate for a better belay or adjust where the swimmer will land. Clearly instruct the victim not to make any movements until told to do so. If danger exists, immediately downstream, a simple throwing rescue may be insufficient. You may need to establish a second line across the river. If you are unsure how to perform a safe rescue, seek help from a team trained in river rescue, even if that means temporarily abandoning the victim.
rowing rescues. Boating incidents across from many drownings. Most happen in small open motorboats or inland waters due to capsizing or passengers falling overboard. But fatalities also occur when people craft are used. According to the American Canoe Association, 85% of canoeing fatalities and 48% of Kayaking fatalities did not wear PFDs. Unfortunately, they could not swim well enough at the time to save themselves. Rowing Rescue Rowing rescues are appropriate for any type of victim. A boat rescue can be both faster and safer than a swimming assistant. It is the best way to reach multiple victims who are far from shore. A boat may provide a platform for rescue breathing or CPR without having to bring the victim all the way to shore. It offers protection from currents, waves, and cold weather. You may recognize some of the following material. If not, study carefully and pay close attention to any demonstrations or exercises your counselor provides. Even if you are an expert with a particular boat, doesn't has don't hesitate to enlist help in an emergency. If one is handy, shout loudly for help. Take a few seconds to plan ahead. Throw extra gear such as PFDs into the boat. Send someone to find a phone, cell phone, or landline in case of emergency medical personnel needs to be contacted. Wear a P- PFD and be alert for currents, waves, and weather changes. When you reach the victim using a rowboat, one rescuer can throw him an extra PFD or reach out from the stern with a or extra or from multiple victims in the water help the one most in need first but try to throw the other some type of support if the distance to shore is short and victim is not injured leave him in the water and tow him to shore if a victim is not breathing is suffering from hypothermia or needs other first aid carefully bring him aboard or over the transform if you are alone in a rowboat you will have to both row and watch the victim if the distance is short Backwater, otherwise row out looking over your shoulder and pivot as you get close. Throw the victim a flotation device as you approach with the stern. If you need release or the oars, be careful to secure them first. The use of other craft is similar. In a canoe, put the the best paddler in the back. Use both rescue paddles on the way out. Throw the victim float when you approach. Give clear instructions. Try to keep canoe from turning broadside to the current or waves. While other rescuer kneels to steady the canoe with its paddle, the other keeps its weight low, reaches out to the victim with his paddle, and swings the victim to one end of the craft. And there you have it, fellow scouts. We've reached the shore of another fantastic episode of the Scouting Guide podcast. I hope you found valuable insights and practical wisdoms in the pages of the Life-Saving Marabedge book. Remember, as scouts, we have the power to make a real impact on our communities by being prepared and ready to lend a helping hand when it is needed most. Whether it is by the poolside, at the beach, or near any body of water, the skills we've explored today can truly be life-saving. If you haven't already earned this badge, I encourage you to take on challenges and prove yourself as a competent and confident lifesaver. And for those of you who have already earned it, keep honing your skills and ever be ready to lend a helping hand. Thank you for joining me on this journey today. Don't forget to tune in next week for yet another fascinating badge exploration. Until then, stay curious, stay adventurous, and as always, happy scouting!